Hello friends, my name is Joe Irwin Bettner and this is the Eyes on Oklahoma podcast. On today's episode, Abby Bitterman makes her debut. The Norman Transcript OU softball beat writer Abby Bitterman and I have decided to join forces and bring you a weekly Oklahoma softball podcast, which will be right here on the Eyes on Oklahoma podcast feed. Uh, Abby and I have been covering the team just about as long as uh, anyone else has, so we thought it was only fitting that the two of us uh, combined efforts and uh, put together an Oklahoma softball podcast because I mean this team being the top ranked team in the country defending national champions interest is as high as ever and uh, we wanted to bring you guys all of the insight that Abby and I have kind of accumulated over the years of covering this team and uh, bring you that access that you're not going to find really anywhere else so Abby and I are super happy to be doing this and I really appreciate her um, for coming aboard to uh, to do this weekly pod through the you know course of the college softball season should be a fun one for OU as they try to get back to Oklahoma City and defend their 2021 national championship. Um, but before we get into that, just wanted to say thank you all for tuning in today and uh, being a subscriber to the Eyes in Oklahoma podcast. And if you're not already, we are available on all major podcast platforms. And if you're using Apple or Spotify, we'd greatly appreciate it if you left us a five-star rating and review. It helps get the word out about the show. So without wasting any more of your time, here's my conversation with Abby Bitterman. Abby, how are you doing? I'm good, Joe. How are you? I'm great. I appreciate you for hopping on today as this is your first of hopefully many appearances on the Eyes in Oklahoma podcast as we tackle um, Oklahoma softball this season. Abby, just to kind of give the listeners a little bit of background on yourself, um, what what do you do? for a, what, what, what exactly would you say you do? Oh, gosh, Joe. Why would you start with the hardest question? Um, I do a lot of things, but the thing that I feel like the listeners of this podcast will care about most is that I write about OU softball for the Norman transcript. Um, This is my fifth season, I think, covering the team. Um, Every season except for 2019 when I was in Washington, D.C. And yeah, I played softball for a really long time, so I and coached it a little bit too. So I have a little bit of um, background with the sport and it's a lot of fun to cover. Uh, back in 2017, the the team obviously won the Women's College World Series, but didn't get a ton of coverage or attention. Um, and now they do. So it's also been cool to kind of watch the beat grow and watch the attention paid to the team grow. That is, it's a loaded question because covering OU softball for the transcript is one of like, three or four jobs that I currently have, but it's, it's one that I really enjoy. So. I say, have you, you've been around for two national title runs, 2017 and obviously last season. Yes. I say the way that the softball beat has taken off just to kind of give people a little bit of insight into uh, uh, the lives of sports writers, especially ones that cover sports like softball for the longest time. I mean, this is kind of a not so fun thing. It's it's a good and a bad thing when you're covering football. Like you, you go to these news conferences that are set up and uh, way ahead of time, and you know everything's pretty formal. And it, it you, you might get one question in, but then there's softball, which is pretty much just showing up to the softball facility and grabbing Patty Gasso right after practice, and she's about as unfiltered as most college coaches just you know, 
she she's very candid it makes the job really easy and most of the time it's pretty much just me and abby there which no offense to anyone else in the oklahoma city and media market but uh for a while abby was covering uh you saw ball for the oklahoma and i was covering for the Oklahoma transcript um and obviously I, I i don't know how much our time at the ou daily intersected but i think it was like it was a little bit um but yeah uh we're, we're happy to have abby on the podcast to uh kind of help us follow oklahoma softball throughout the season she covers it for the transcript and i cover it for eyes on oklahoma people seem to be excited about softball this season like you said just seeing kind of the popularity grow which is a big reason why we've you know added this to the the website um we, we, just the general interest has gone up so much uh and oklahoma softball gets off to just an electric start this past weekend in california starting off the season five and oh it was uh just about everything that patty gasso pretty much kind of lined up for us uh, as i mentioned super super candid as far as uh you know college coaches go and does not really um she doesn't BS often. And when she starts talking about how good a player that Jordy ball is, or, you know, how good her offense is going to be, you, you, you don't take it with a grain of salt. You just kind of believe her. And Abby, I'm curious what you make of this Oklahoma team coming off a national championship entering this season. They don't look like they've missed much of a beat and perhaps have gotten a little bit better in the circle. I, I know it's a young group and I know it's really early, but I mean, th- just that this team is kind of it reminds me even though they didn't win the championship reminds me a lot of 2019 with just how good that team looked on early on in the season I'm curious what you thought of how Oklahoma performed out in Cali yeah absolutely I mean first of all just thinking back to previous seasons I know that um Patty sometimes has been like you said very candid about how she feels like the team still has work they need to do and that, you know, she's not really convinced that those first games are going to be as pretty or put together. Um, Or even that coming off of a national championship, like you said, that, you know, there's, there's still going to be that drive to work that got them to that first national champion or that got them to the national championship the year before. Um, And that's something that she's in the past talked about having to really like push for and make sure that they stay hungry but this team feels like it's still hungry. And I think a lot of that has to do with just the insane number of like weapons that she has to play with all over the field and how the lineup can look completely different game to game. And that's not even a function of resting people or things like that. That's just that she really wants to get a lot of people um, in the lineup because she wants to use them. And I mean, we're kind of still seeing like the residual effects of that COVID year when people were allowed to stay around extra. That's why you've still got someone like Jocelyn Allo in the lineup. Um, and so I think, first of all, that's like the biggest thing is that they still are having to, you know, fight within each other for these spots because there's like maybe like 14 or 15 people she'd like to have on the field. And there's only nine to 10 spots in the lineup, depending on who she wants to have back. But like you mentioned, this weekend in California was quite, quite the show. I mean, to give up only one run the entire weekend and it be an unearned run off of a like very uncharacteristic error by Kenzie Hansen. That's just, that's just quite the statement to start your season mentioning the what they have in the circle for for that to be the case with 
not only the freshman Jordy Ball, who you will hear that name a lot throughout the course of the season, but there's Hope Trotwine and then you know Nicole May, who played last season for Oklahoma. But they 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 they're very young in the circle. Uh, Hope is a bit more experienced playing at North Texas, but that was the thing that just caught my eye. Was just I didn't think that the offense was going to drop off much. And you know you mentioned the extra year for Jocelyn Allo, which she's pretty uh, pretty close to that home run record. Uh, seems like she'll. I mean, if it doesn't happen this weekend, it probably will happen next. But um, the offensive firepower is there. It's just a matter of this team can be good in the circle. And that was. I mean, tell me if you disagree. I felt like that was the one thing that really made me think last year's team was not going to be able to go the distance uh, just because we hadn't seen Giselle Juarez or Shannon Sale, like, you know, play as consistently as we did the season before. And they were, they managed to get there, not the season before, but in 2019, um, just the, the, the pitching staff was, was on a whole other different level. And then you go into the 2021 season and Giselle with her injury and just kind of the inexperience there. It it was one of those things that I thought might hold Oklahoma back this season. I I still think inexperience is going to play a bit of a role, but um, like you mentioned, just Jordy ball, which with what she did against the number three team in the country. uh, I mean, that, 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 that's something that for a lot of Oklahoma teams in the past, if you go back and look at 2016, 2017, uh, those early, those tough games really early on in the schedule, Oklahoma's not done so well in. And I don't think that that is something that has ever really bothered Patty Gasso. I mean, talking to her last year after the Georgia loss, I mean, she seemed almost happy that it happened. Um, but they, they've, they've got a lot of, they've got a lot of young talent who are, you know, undefeated to this point. I would imagine they'll go undefeated through the weekend uh, before they get into kind of a tougher part of their non-conference schedule. But uh, Houston is no slouch. But uh, it, it is pretty interesting, though, to kind of see what this lineup is in terms of you mentioned just how much, how many weapons. Patty probably deserves a lot of credit for not having a huge exodus of players hit the transfer portal. Um because you, you you can go down that lineup and like you know someone like Grace Green who disappeared from the lineup at times, uh, you know is back you know is, is working her way back I think into a more prominent role this season. But uh, just kind of as I mentioned earlier, not much not a whole lot of drop off from what we saw from Oklahoma's offense. Uh, it feels like it's going to be a big year for Tiara Jennings though. I mean, just. If there, if there was one thing that kind of came out of the weekend other than, than Jordy Ball just introducing herself to college softball, it, it I, I feel like it was Tia Jennings hitting, what was it, four home runs over the course of five yeah, games? Yeah, four. Like you said, Tiare, you know, she's uh, she was a big part of that, especially in that leadoff hitter role. Um, I remember in the fall talking to Patty after the OU North Texas fall ball game, and she was talking about, you know, the pitchers and the hitters battling and stuff like that and how Tiare had, I remember her specifically mentioning Tiare having some struggles in the fall um, with, and I, I could be wrong about that because I'm just speaking from memory right now, but I feel like I very vividly remember her mentioning Tiare um, having just some struggles hitting against the pitcher struggles in practice with her hitting and how she was like working through that and how, because we were talking about like sophomore slumps um, and avoiding sophomore slumps for some of these um, key players like her and Jada Coleman and Nicole May, like you mentioned a second ago. Um, But so to, to, to remember, to have that in the back of my mind, Patty saying that in like 
late October or early November. And then to see Tiare hit a home run, I think in, in the, in the first at bat for Oklahoma softball of the 2022 season was really, was really something. And I think you're right. Like she is more of a known commodity. So that's why I think that her performance this weekend wasn't as talked about, but um, I mean, yeah, she was the uh, freshman of the year last year for college softball. And she's just, it seems like she has not fallen off at all. Um, And I know that, that she was one of the players who this weekend was also more meaningful for um, the Mark Campbell Invitational, obviously being named after Mark Campbell, a Batbusters coach who passed away in 2019. Tiara was on the Batbusters and she played for him in 14U. Um, I played travel softball. I know how formative your 14U coaches can be. It's and like those early year coaches. Um, so yeah, just four home runs. Again, that's I, that's the most of anyone individually, I believe, this so far this season. Um, and so, yeah, she does not seem like she has fallen off at all. But to go back to what you said about the pitchers, um, I would also just throw in that, yeah, last season, if there was anywhere that OU was weak or that OU needed to kind of find something more, um, and Patty even openly admitted this, it was in the circle. And I think that they've found that with Jordy especially, but also with Hope. Um, So yeah, it'll be interesting to see because last year, uh, Giselle and Shannon kind of peaked at the, at the women or in postseason at the women's college series when Patty wants them to peak and Jordy and Hope already seem to be, and Nicole May um, already seem to be, you know, performing at that high level. Is there anything with this team? Once again, I feel like the kind of the caveat as we, talk through the first few weeks of the season is going to be that, you know, it's only February, but is there anything that was glaring just as far as like a weakness goes that you saw from this team this past weekend? Mm -hmm. Um, That's, that's a hard question to answer. I wasn't able to catch every game. Um, I would say that, you know, the scores of like five Oh, against Loyola Marymount um, and only 8-0 and 9-0 against, well, not Mississippi State's not a slouch either, but only 8-0 against San Diego State. I mean, I'm saying only, and these are one of the, some, some of those were run rule wins still, but, you know, in the early season last year, um, I remember just seeing the, the offense put up these like monster numbers, um, like just outscoring people like crazy. But again, there's a difference between the way that it looks and the amount of runs you're scoring. Um, so we'll have to see if, you know, that's something that Patty Gasso is okay with. But I guess the one thing that I would be interested to see more, especially as they play um, some of these coming tournaments, is if the offense starts to put up those like firepower numbers again. Um, and then also, you know, uh, Jocelyn Allo, we mentioned a second, you mentioned a second ago, the home runs. I don't, I do not think this is a weakness, but I think that she's at what 90 now. So she's five away from tying six away from breaking. So like you mentioned, could happen any game now, but with someone whose bat is as important to your lineup as hers is, um, you just want to make sure that she's focused on 
or she's not too focused on the home runs, which, you know, I mean, I don't think she is, but what she says and what she thinks could always be two different things. Um, but yeah, and Patty's talked about, I think she talked before the UCLA game. I heard Chris Plank mention that she had talked about um, her, you know, not needing to chase pitches because she's chasing history, um, which I think was a very eloquent way of saying that. And so, and I, and I, we did see Jocelyn Allo get some, get some singles and doubles and that's important, but, you know, I think the quicker that they can, that she can get to um, that record might just be better for the team as a whole, because then that's kind of like, you know, a weight that is lifted off of the shoulders. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, this is, one of those things, uh, my first year on the softball beat was 2015, watching Lauren Chamberlain try to do this. And I think that people understand the, the gravity of it, how difficult it's going to be. And for Lauren, I felt like it was super hard because she did not have, you know, a T.R. Jennings or a Grace Lyons or, you know, there, there are so many hitters in this lineup uh, for pitchers to uh, deal with. There's there's no working around Jocelyn Hollow. And that was the thing with Chamberlain did not have that kind of benefit. She finally got it done. I think it was, um, it was like mid April against North Texas. Um, and she finally broke it after just kind of getting walked, uh, you know, pretty much for the leading up, like no pitcher wanted to be the one to give it up and understandably, but, uh, this is, I, 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 you couldn't have said it better though. I mean, I feel like once that is kind of out of the way, especially just kind of knowing what we know about, um, makeup of this team and I not to say that the, this is any bit of a weakness but this is um th- this is still a group of 18 to 22 year old you know college student athletes who think about these things on a regular basis kind of with the heightened popularity of softball like it's it's not easy like to kind of live in that world every day I, talking with uh Jocelyn over the years I mean her freshman season she hits 30 home runs and I know that that affected her because she said as much that, you know, seeing her name, you know, be on social media, seeing that attention she was getting, it kind of had an effect on her and, you know, kind of led into a sophomore slump. Um, And it's really almost kind of unfair because it does not feel like Tiari Jennings is going to go through that same thing, or at least it doesn't all up to this point, but what a mentor to have in Jocelyn Allo to kind of get you through that. Because I don't think that there's any way that Jennings can, even reach that record because Jocelyn's going to play so much more softball than any other soft, unless there's, I mean, I knock on all the wood you can find, like hopefully there's never another pandemic that leads to players getting an extra year like this, but uh, it, it's, it, it's going to be fun when it's broken. Um, but I think it's for the betterment of the team that it kind of gets done quicker um, you know, or sooner rather than later. And I'm, I'm sure that Patty Gasso though, whenever it comes, uh, just kind of the coach that she is will will make sure that that is not a hindrance on what this team can do because they've got some they've got some big opponents coming up um i will say that i really wanted to tweet uh this out and i was just like i don't want to jinx it but um it would have been awesome though if jocelyn who was also a bat buster would have gotten the record at the mark campbell invitational that Mm -hmm. would have been that would have been really cool really fun to see you can obviously kind of tell just the and i think that you can probably just you know probably realize just from it being a smaller sport that the softball community is so tight-knit to kind of see the emotions of the past weekend um 
it was uh, just, I mean, it was cool to see those players kind of play for something bigger. Um, but they, they've got a, a big weekend ahead with Houston, uh, McNeese State. I don't have the full schedule in front of me, but um, they've got a weekend in Houston. Then they get back into California where they'll get Arizona and Utah. It's an interesting time just for softball. I feel like every year I ask Patty the same kind of question, like, what do you think about, you know, how much tougher this sport is getting? Um, because you saw with James Madison this past season, Florida State making uh, a run through the women's college world series. Uh, it, it just, it feels like an exciting time for softball. Um, and especially around this part with Oklahoma state and Texas being as good as they are. It almost feels like, are, are we getting ahead of ourselves just because we've got like 50, 60 more games left of this. Like, I mean, there is a lot of softball left to play. Yeah. First of all, I will, I have something to say on that, but first I would like to just wrap up the um, Jocelyn Allo conversation by saying that I think that a lot of people are going to, you know, have this have this debate of, will she put up a number that no one can ever touch again? But between her sophomore year and the shortened 2020 year, she hit 16 her sophomore year, eight in that shortened year. So that's 24. If someone in the future doesn't have a slump one year and can be kind of like consistent like that, I think you can make a case that it could be broken in the future. I think there, so I think there's going to be some debate about like, is she going to put up a number that's like untouchable and almost unfair. But I think that like looking at that, I think, I think we could see it again, but it would take a very special kind of athlete, but um, you know, moving into these next couple of weekends and just the, the thought of the parody in the sport. I mean, as someone who has played and coached and just loves the game of softball itself, I think that the parody is, really awesome. Um, Joe, I don't know about you, but I've been watching the Winter Olympics um, a lot, especially the figure skating. And in figure skating, especially women's, um, the the Russian women are like going to win, no questions asked, you know? Um, And so it's great when you have parity in a sport like we're starting to see in softball, where it's not just the UCLA's and the Arizona's and the OU's of the world, but you can get a James Madison. You can get, you know, teams from all over the country um, kind of to be as good as we've seen they can be. And it's good for OU and the big 12 when um, a team like Oklahoma state is one of the top teams in the country or a team like Texas or something like that, or even these smaller teams, you know, Wichita state, it's, it's very good for OU and Wichita State's good because that's someone that they play regularly. And so not just for, and so it makes a better product. More people want to watch it. There were a lot of questions this weekend about why games like OU versus UCLA and Arizona versus Alabama weren't on TV because people wanted to see them. Um, and I mean, they were on Flow Softball. No offense, Flow Softball. So sorry, I don't have the money for that. Um, but yeah, no, I just... I think it'll be a fun year. And I think that, uh, you know, yes, OU does seem like they've reloaded in every area that they were maybe like a little bit deficient or needed to, and that they've just gotten stronger. But that also doesn't mean that anything's a foregone conclusion because there are a lot of good teams out there. Um, And also, you know, you mentioned how, Patty kind of like likes to see them lose. I mean, obviously no one likes to no, lose. That, but that, like that, that's he, he like kind of how it comes off. Yeah. Like you would rather lose a game early in the season 
and know what losing feels like than have a Gonzaga situation and win every game except the last one. That's how it felt like with like the 2019 team that they won, I think, 40 games in a row. They lost to Wisconsin. I think it might have actually been the regional round. Um, They had to like win two on Sunday to get through. But yeah, what Oklahoma has had going for it was just kind of this not necessarily underdog mentality, but like 2016, 2017, just with that 2016, 2017 team, the pieces were, I think probably more in hindsight, we or hindsight. We really realized how good those players were because you saw what Sidney Romero and Shane Knighton and all, you know, Paige Parker, what those, what those, you know, athletes developed into. Um, but now the target kind of being more on their back and kind of, you know, we've talked a little bit about UCLA and that's a huge win for Oklahoma. But I mean, there was a team that in 2019 that, you know, Oklahoma lost to UCLA in the women's college world series. And it wasn't particularly close. I mean, UCLA, they dominated that first game. OU had a resilient effort in the, in the second, but came up short. And then this past season, I, I I really thought that UCLA was going to roll through things you just never know what's going to happen when you actually get to that week in Oklahoma city. Um, and for Oklahoma, they obviously had a pretty magic for, for being the team to beat all season. It was still a pretty fun kind of not Cinderella, but just kind of, you know, the, those types of runs are why we love the postseason. Um, and seeing kind of the them and Florida state just kind of go through it. James Madison, as we've mentioned, and Oklahoma state being as good as they are, but I mean, there, there's just so many different teams that can, that can make a run um, that it just, it really does make the, as much as I think it is fun right now for Oklahoma fans to be like, you know, this is the greatest team ever. This is the greatest, you know, Patty gas is the greatest coach ever. Or when it comes time for May, it's going, it's going to be a different story. And I think that Oklahoma has the pieces uh, to compete for a national title and just kind of what we've talked about with, you know, Patty gas. So I think she feels very confident in what, what the, you know, keeping the main thing is and, you know, just the, I think everything is in place, but, like you said, it just, it, you never know what's going to happen. And, but that that's, I think that's going to be the joy of the season. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, the underdog mentality. And I said that I couldn't afford and so didn't buy flow softball. So instead I was listening to um, the UCLA game on uh, Chris Plank's radio call. Shout out Chris Plank. He's the best, but um, I, I pulled it up a bit early and I heard his pregame interview with Patty Gasso where she was talking about UCLA and how UCLA thinks, you know, comes out with this mentality that they're the best team on the field and they're the best team in the country. And their mentality is that like they're number one and they're going to just show you what a number one team does. Um, paraphrasing a bit, but that's essentially like what Patty said. Um, and so she wants this team to have that same type of mentality that they've been underdogs in the past, but that she thinks that they, need to have that same kind of like, we're the top team mentality. Um, And so, you know, you just talk about, you know, that underdog mentality and it has helped OU in the past because they're a very, you know, Patty Gasso, very blue collar work type person um, has, has run a very blue collar program for a long time. And, you know, they kind of have come into that underdog mentality at times, but right now really it's the, um, we're like top, we're the top dog, we're the top team kind of mentality that she's trying to get into these players. And it seems like even some of the new ones 
already have that vibe going for them. I was going to say, I feel like a thousand profiles are about to be written about Jordy ball. The amount of times like Patty talked about her competitiveness um, just with her kind of visits and getting her onto campus. Uh, this is a, I think this is a group and going back to something that I mentioned, or I, I feel like it's pretty remarkable that Patty was able to kind of keep a lot of uh, the, you know, a lot of her players from transferring. Um, it says a lot about the culture that she's built that like everyone, you know, you, you, you kind of get your, you know, you, you earn your playing time, but when you earn it, it's because you are the best because this is the best team. And I mean, in a lot of ways, it's just kind of reminiscent of like Oklahoma softball. And in a lot of ways, honestly, I think you could draw a lot of parallels between Patty Gasso and Nick Saban, but I mean, OU softball has become the Alabama football of the sport. Um, they, they, they're recruiting on a completely different level. Uh, they, I, I can't remember how many it was, but I mean, just the, the 2021 recruiting cycle, they, they landed a good chunk of that, the top 10 overall prospects, Jordy ball being, you know, uh, the, the best of them being the Gatorade national player of the year. But, uh, this, this is a, this is a fun time, uh, for people that are kind of, you know, I, I think that are finding their way to softball kind of over the past year. I think it's going to be a fun ride, um, to kind of keep up with, and we will be keeping up with all of the, uh, Oklahoma softball goings on. Hopefully I was going to say like, not that I think any OU fans want them to lose, but it'd be great to talk about a loss, <laughs> like just, you know, to kind of get into some adversity for this team. Cause I think it's going to be hard to come by, but first of all, I feel like we would be reminisced if we did not say a little bit more about Jordy's 14 strikeout performance Incredible. against UCLA. Absolutely insane. But that honestly wasn't my biggest takeaway. I mean, the 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 calmness, the confidence to come in as a freshman in your second start ever, third appearance in total, um, when you have like, I think it was 5.2 innings under her belt, and then she comes in and pitches a complete game. Um, the only run given up was an unearned run. Uh, 14 strikeouts against the number three team in the country. That's just some really baller stuff right there. But the thing that I was the most impressed with was, um, again, listening to Plank's radio call. It's the seventh inning, and there's a there's a UCLA player on first. Don't remember how she got there. Just remember she's on first. But um, the next UCLA player up, Bunce. Bunce it back up, like straight up the field to Jordy. Fields it. And then I can't remember, but like the way Plank described it, it sounded like she either flipped it or backhanded it or something to second. And they got the out and they almost got a double play with the runner going to first. But I have been around and seen a lot of softball in my day, both OU and otherwise. And a lot of pitchers, especially younger ones, but a lot of pitchers, if they get a ball bunted back to them and they have to like throw to first, Sometimes it can be like a nerve-wrenching situation because they're like, you're like, oh no, they have to throw overhand. And I mean, I know this is OU and it's higher level stuff, but still like pitchers are very much in like an I'm pitching mindset, right? And so to, to in your second start ever against the number three team in the country, field that ball and turn around and flip it to second for that, to get that lead runner out and then getting me out. I literally like was alone in my house listening to this radio call and I said, Oh shit. Because like that 
was the real impressive thing that she did to me. We knew that she could pitch really well, really fast, had some movement. We knew all these things, but like the awareness that she already seems to have for the game to make those kind of like higher level plays, the, the presence that she has on the mound, you know, and things like that, like to see that that early on in her career at OU, I think is something that really highlights how special of a player that she's going to be. It's, it's nuts that she's like you mentioned, like it's just her second career start. It's just nuts that we are at the beginning of like what Jordy ball is. Um, exactly. I mean, like I mentioned, I, this is a player you're going to get to know not only around Norman. I mean, I feel like she's got the opportunity to be one of the you know faces of college softball for the next few years. And uh, you know, not that she'll be going pro or anything, but and you, you never know. I mean, <laughs> well, especially in these NIL like years, you know, Abby, I know you got to get going. Um, I appreciate you uh, for joining us for episode one of, I don't know what we're going to call this, um, but uh, I, I appreciate you for doing this. So, yeah, no, I'm really excited. Um, I've only asked to be a guest on every podcast you've ever done forever. So <laughs> I am, I'm glad to have a, have a recurring thing going now. Um, talking about <laughs> one of my favorite topics, softball. So I, I can't wait for, for more. I think um, in addition to, you know, the ride that this season's going to be, it's going to be a little ride for us too. So I'm excited. That does it for today's episode of the Eyes in Oklahoma podcast. Appreciate all of you for tuning in and listening, making us a part of your day. And appreciate Abby Betterman, who, once again, be on here on a weekly basis to talk OU softball with us. It's uh, going to be a fun ride. Patty Gasso has assembled quite the team this year in Norman, so it is going to be a lot of fun to follow. If you are not already subscribed to Eyes in Oklahoma, the newsletter or the podcast, go to eyesinoklahoma.com and you can find all of our coverage and get all of those emails sent straight to your inbox so you never miss anything also go subscribe to the norman transcript abby bitterman does great stuff over there jesse crittenden sports editor over there uh just really good people and uh support your you know your local journalism so uh we appreciate all of you guys once again just uh for for being a part of this it's been really fun to grow the community and uh we are looking forward to more and more and kind of you know building the site out so with that said my name is joe Irwin bettner and we will catch you all next time